We are the Cat's Whiskers, and this is my top line. Hello and welcome to another edition of My Top Line. My name is John O'Bullard and I'm delighted to say we are looking at the Brayhead Stroke Glasgow clan in this edition and I'm delighted to welcome my guest who is the senior reporter at British Ice Hockey and the media coordinator at the Glasgow clan. It's Craig Anderson. Hello there, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Craig. Thanks for coming on and choosing your clan top line. But first, I, I want to know, how did you get into hockey and when was your first game? Uh, well, when I first got into hockey, it was probably the kind of mid to late 90s. And that was purely from a, a passing interest point of view. I'd played the NHL games on, on the old Sega Mega Drive, showing me a little bit there. And then when Channel 5 started, they started showing NHL games through the night. And so late 90s, I was manager of a video shop in my hometown of East Kilbride. Because the games were on through the night, I recorded them in the old video cassettes and took them into work the next day and just watched them just for something to watch. I enjoyed watching them, they were good fun and the shop wasn't that busy so you would get watching a fair bit of the games that they had on and it was the old thing where you could turn a three-hour tape into a six-hour tape um, through a long play again, showing me age a little bit more again. You know, after that kind of stopped, I stopped working in the video shop, I moved on and coverage got taken away from Channel 5. I kind of fell away from it a bit, I didn't really follow it too much. I'm more of a football fan, um, as anybody who knows me will know. And then I got into sports writing through, well, football writing um, through a guy I knew at the Sun um, who was giving me games to cover in, in Scottish football in the, the sort of the old first, second and third division Scottish Cup ties. I even got working at a Scotland International, which was really good. But I was always told if you want to really kind of get in there, you know, you, you really need to carve a kind of niche for yourself at a sport that nobody else is doing. I used to read the papers quite a lot when I was younger, and ice hockey was a sport that was never really covered. Um, and I followed this quite closely. There was always little bits about basketball and you know a lot of the kind of lesser sports, but nothing at all about ice hockey. I thought, right, I think I found my niche. Um, and at that time, you're talking sort of 2010, which was when sort of Brayhead Clan were kind of starting. Um, but again, through various commitments, I never got going to games straight away. It took a few months for it to actually happen. My first game was the 23rd of January 2011, um, the clan taking on the Nottingham Panthers. Um, a game I remember well. I went with a, a good friend of mine, Darren Walk. Um, it was one of those ones where I'd said to him um, about going to a game. I'd never been to an ice hockey game before. And he went, well, let's do it. He says, oh, I've got the car. I don't drive, you see. So Darren said, oh, I'll take you on. We'll go. So that was fine. We, we got tickets for this game against the Panthers. Um, I remember it well because I think Clan were three or four up early in the second period. And Corey Nielsen had called it a timeout. And the atmosphere was fantastic. For all the crowd was, was kind of low uh, in, in Clan terms at that time comparative to, to what it's like now. There was a lot of noise, and you really get caught up in it really quickly. So I thought this it was just an absolute assault in the senses. And Clan went on to win 6-3. I think Panthers had a bit of a comeback, but Clan under Bruce Richardson managed to, to hold them off. And by the time Darren and I were returning home, we'd booked the tickets for the next game, uh, the next home game, which was the following Sunday, against the Belfast Giants. And, and from there, it, it went on from there. And as the weeks went on, I get more into it. I get more involved in, in the teams and who the people were behind it and all the personalities that, that we all know and love. And over time, I started getting a bit of work covering ice hockey. And so I went from there. 
You see, I, I remember meeting you for the first time, I think it was at Murrayfield Ice Rink, when you was doing mm. Slapshot Scotland, and, <laughs> and that's really led into the media work that you do now. That's right. I mean, Slapshot Scotland was a, a kind of way of, of getting something out there. You know, the, the great frustration I've I had and still have to this day, I, I guess, nine nearly 10 years on, is the fact that there isn't enough media coverage in Scotland. And, you know, if you want to get me started on that, by all means, I dare say we've got the time to do it. But no, Slapshot Scotland was a medium for me to get something out there. And I was getting interviews with not only people at the clan, people from Edinburgh, Dundee, Fife, and then I branched into Solway, even one or two you know, sides at the SNL as well, just to get something out there by way of, of ice hockey coverage and somewhere for people to read. And it took off quite quickly. Um, you know, there was I was getting a lot of you know good positive tweets. People were saying you know a good job I was doing. I was I was getting interviews really that people weren't getting, and, and I think a lot of people appreciated that. And as you say, John, it kind of led into more media work, which I'm still doing now. And I'm, I suppose it gave me the grounding um, to, to get the experience of the people that, I, that in many ways I still work with now. And of course, that led on to working for a, the Elite League for a couple of years, and I think you got a lot of enjoyment out of that. I did, loved it, great job, um, and it came about, was it, it was through Seth Bennett, Seth had been in, in, in charge of the media, and he'd had Rob McGregor helping him uh, the playoff weekend in 2016, um, I'd gone down, Fife had been involved in that weekend, so I got a bit of work from um, from Scottish media regarding Fife, which was fine, but Fife got beat on the Saturday, didn't play in the final on Sunday, nobody was really bothered about the third place game. And I was really only going to be a spectator for the, the final, which I was fine with. You know, you, you go to a, a thing like that, and you, you get to actually watch a final. But I'd said to Seth, look, if you need a hand with anything, um, I'll be more than happy to help you out if you and Rob are, you know, just by way of if you want me to get an interview down at, um, down at the rink or if you need me to cover anything on the website. And Seth took me up on an offer. So I ended up working um, at the playoff final in 2016 alongside Seth and Rob to help with the, the league's kind of media output. By that point, I'd worked with the SNL um, as a media officer for a year, which didn't go as well as I'd hoped. There was all sorts of things going on. I know for a fact there were certain teams that didn't want the role, um, so they were unwilling to help me, which I thought was a little bit narrow-minded, but uh, if that was their decision, that was their decision. So as we went into the summer of 2016, I'd said to Seth, you know, if there were any opportunities, I'd be more than happy to help out. Next thing you know, um, I've got a phone call off him. Um, the league had approved um, Seth bringing Rob and I on board, which was magnificent. You know, really grateful for the opportunity. So the three of us sat down and came up with a strategy of what we would do over that summer, signing news and all the other stuff we were going to do. That led into the, the following season. And then by the end of that year, the start of 2017, Seth had taken up a lovely lucrative role with the BBC World Service, which he still does today, the lucky so-and-so. Um, but Rob and I were tasked to, to keep it going between us. The two of us both had full-time jobs. So in terms of the league, it was a, a part-time um, thing. I was still doing some stuff for the clan as well. So fair, fair to say I was, I was quite busy most nights. And there's always this feeling among the teams that you'd say to them, if you've got something going out, please let us know in advance. And that way we can get things ready from us. This is your news. We don't want to steal your news. We don't want to steal your thunder. And trying to get that message across was sometimes a bit difficult, but a lot of them got it. It just got a little bit frustrating sometimes. Don't get me wrong, we worked brilliantly with the teams throughout our time there. It's just trying to get the message across that we're here to work with you. We're not working against you. We're not trying to get your news out before anybody else does. And I think there's still a lot of that today. 
needless to say, we, we got this great working relationship with uh, with a lot of the teams. Yeah, there were some things that cropped up during Rob and I's time, and he and I, he'll also tell you as well, there were, you, know, you would see nights disappear because you were having to um, deal with various issues. The, the homophobia row with Dave Sims, for one, is... I mean, I could talk all day about what <laughs> happened from that point of view. Let's just say regarding that one, I look at my my own actions through that. I think we could have done better. And I, I really mean that. You know, we, we could have done a lot better. A lot of people think that the league did nothing during that. I can see the perception of that, that nothing went out regarding what, what Dave had allegedly said. But believe me, there was emails flying around left, right and centre to try and deal with it. It could have been dealt with better. And I can I can say that now with the benefit of hindsight. But they've come on leaps and bounds. Of course, the Pride weekend was it was a great success. So you know I think they've they've went a long way to to redeeming themselves from that one. But nevertheless, it was a great role. And then they decided to go a different road, and they brought in uh, Luke, who, who does a great job now. And I, I, I would gladly take the job back if it was ever offered. It was it was wonderful just to be involved, just to be at the centre of things, and um, communicating with other teams, getting interviews with new players coming in. Brilliant, you know, I absolutely loved it. And you know, and I think Luke's a very lucky man. He's taken on at the next level, and I think he's doing a great job. Of course, now you are the senior reporter at British Ice Hockey, and there's another website that's coming on leaps and bounds. Yeah, I'd been involved with British Ice Hockey before. I'd done a few bits and bobs with them um, prior to getting my my job with the Elite League. Um, but I had to kind of had to kind of put that to one side. And, and James, who owns it, James Gordon was was very understanding regarding that. So when I left the Elite League. And I said to him about possibly coming back and doing a bit more. He was more than happy to take me on board, which is great. And again, it keeps me, it keeps me very much in the, the cold face of, of British ice hockey as it is getting the interview, speaking to to people, putting things together that you think people will read and absolutely love it. But the good thing about British ice hockey compared to having worked with the league is I can put more personal slants on things now. I wouldn't, I wasn't able to do that working for the league. I couldn't comment too much about things whereas I can a bit more with British ice hockey you know for example as we speak you know we're, we're a, day, a few days after Andrew Lord has left Cardiff I was able to put out a comment piece about how Lord's legacy is safe at Cardiff you know for, for everything he's done whereas I wouldn't have been able to do that with the league so I can be a bit of a blogger as, as much as I can be a reporter and it gives me a bit more freedom to be able to do that but yeah the, the website's come on brilliantly we're getting a lot of readership I'm, I've got into podcasting as well uh, with a bit more frequency as well which I thoroughly enjoy and it's great, you know, it gives me the benefit of, of doing so many different things and learning so many different things as well. I'm always learning doing this, uh, of course, in, in a 2020 era where there's a lot of digital stuff involved and, you know, no, not bad for an old fart, I, I might say. <laughs> OK, we'll move on to your team now. How did you find it? Was it difficult to put together? Was you? <laughs> I, th- I think you said that you, you was having trouble with who to put where and who to leave yeah. out. And I think most people who, who do this find that. Yeah, it was. And, you know, we, we do a feature on the BIH show podcast uh, called My Dream First Line. And we get older players to pick a team of players that they've played with or against. Obviously, what you asked me to do was something quite similar. And I, I get how difficult that is now. <laughs> I suppose it's maybe more difficult if you're an ex-player and you've got to come up with so many guys that you've you've had good times with or you know, good memories with. And I suppose I have as well, but I, I didn't share a locker room with these guys. That's the difference. I'm only looking at it as someone who's watched the games over the years. 
So there was a couple that came straight to mind. Another couple that, that had to really put some thought in. The last spot was a real tricky one, but I got there in the end. And then we get to the, the honourable mentions, and, well, I've given you a bit of a list there, so um, yeah, you see how difficult it was. War and Peace. <laughs> I think that'll be War and Peace for your honourable mentions while we come on to that later. But just to remind everyone, Craig has picked a netminder two defencemen and three forwards. As well as that, we will have his favourite game, favourite goal, favourite opposition player who never played for the clan, the honourable mentions I've already mentioned, and then we'll finish with Craig's favourite moment from all his time watching the clan. But as ever, we will start with the netminder. So, Craig, who is the netminder you have chosen? Right, I'm going to give him his full name, and it's Kyle, Kyle Jones, Kyle Jones, Kyle, Kyle Jones, um, Jonesy. Um, to a lot of people. Uh, Kyle was the clan netminder for two years. He's the only important netminder to have stayed with the club for over a season. He actually stayed longer than a lot of coaches, to be fair to him. Jonesy was absolutely superb. Not only a, a really smashing guy off the ice, there was something about him on the ice as well. He really commanded his crease. He had the respect of his players. And it was a shame that when he did leave in 2015, um, he didn't get to play in the Champions Hockey League, which he helped clan reach. Um, the season before by finishing second in the league he never got that opportunity to, to play in the, the sort of continental side of things sadly for him but I mean over 100 games and you know a real a real fan's favourite and you know I, I sort of referred to the song um, at the start it's basically Casey and the Sunshine Band and Give It Up an old uh, tune from 1983 and I can never hear that the same way and that's because of Jonesy and everything everything he did for the clan he was inducted onto the Wall of Fame I think a, a year or two after and the, the absolute welcome he received was unbelievable and it shows you he's still a fan's favourite today and, and again when he was back recently for Matt Hayward's testimonial um, a hugely popular popular guy a great goaltender and certainly my favourite when it comes to Brayhead slash Glasgow clan Did it surprise you that he retired after 2015 because he's still only 36 now so at that time when he retired he would have been 31 which is pretty much peak for a netminder I think there might be a story behind this. I'm, I'm hopefully not um, giving anything away too much here. When I spoke to him, now it was either for his, his Wall of Fame induction or it was um, at Matt's testimonial earlier this year. I think the decision was taken out of his hands. I could be wrong on that, and I imagine Ryan Finnerty will be straight on to me if it is completely wrong. Um, I think the clan had decided to move for someone else with a bit more experience, and that's where Chris Holt came in, who, who came in after him. Chris had played in the NHL and KHL. So I think there might have been a decision to, to move on from Jonesy, which, again, maybe a little bit unfair given what he did previously um, with the clan. And I think maybe he decided retirement was probably best for him after that if it wasn't going back to the clan. I don't remember the retirement coming straight after him leaving, which a lot of it does. So, again, I'm happy to be um, to be wrong on that. I'm fairly sure the decision was taken away from Jonesy in terms of coming back. So as a result, he decided to retire. Fairly sure that was told to me by Jonesy. Which, again, a bit of a shame when you consider all he'd done for the club. But clubs move on, they, they make these decisions. It's always hard to get rid of fan favourites, especially you know if they're going in another direction. And I, I think that might have been what happened with Jonesy. OK, we'll leave Kyle Jones there and move on to your first defenceman. So, Craig, who is defenceman number one? It is the man, the legend that is Scott Arson. So Scott Arson, who played for the clan for four seasons from 2013-14 to 2016-17, 254 games in all competitions, 16 goals, 147 assists for 163 points overall. Spells also at the Sheffield Steelers and the Five Flyers and recently announced his retirement. So why particularly Scott Arson? 
I always felt Scott Arson was the kind of player that did a lot of the jobs that you didn't really see, if that makes any kind of sense. He, he was he was always in the, the dirty areas, to use an American term. He always got in there. He always had the you know the, the back of his of his other defensemen and his forwards as well. He was always a bit of a danger when it comes to running about the sort of offensive blue line as well. Um, always coming up with assists, as, as you've alluded to, with the, the figures as well. There was just something about Scott Arson I always really appreciated. The, the four years he had at the clan, I think for me, were certainly the best in his career. And that's to take nothing away from the job he did at Sheffield and at Fife later on. He was still as reliable there. But I just think at Brayhead under Ryan Finnerty, I felt he really flourished. And especially with the, the teammates he had round about him, the likes of Zach Sullivan, I think learned a lot from uh, from Scott Arson in that time. Zach Fitzgerald was there as well. Also, Chris Frank was also involved. So Scott Arson for me was one of those players, a very underrated player, and I think he's maybe a player that you'll look back on in years to come and realise that he was maybe better than I think people gave him credit for. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned his assists there. Only sixteen goals in his two hundred and fifty-four games, but one hundred and forty-seven assists. So that is some setup guy. Yeah, and again, that just shows you that the sort of thing that he could do, but he could get himself into a position to, to lay on and assist. And the figures speak for themselves. You've just alluded to that there. He, he was a player that was always in and around the area when he had to be, and he always did a good job. And the thing about Scott Arson is his defensive work as well. You can't take anything away from what he did in his own blue line as well. He was always there to, to sweep things up and organise play. And I think that's, you know, the net mind is in front of him, uh, behind him rather, but would always say that he was a very steady in presence and that's where I felt Scott Arson was. I mean, four years at the clan, you know, the turnover of players at the clan can be, you know, quite alarming sometimes, but Scott to be there for four years just showed you um, how much Ryan Finnerty certainly uh, enjoyed having him there. He then went on for three further seasons in the Elite League with Sheffield and two seasons with five. Just announced his retirement at 32 do you feel he probably had any more in him or do you think he thought no that's that's enough now I'm done um I think there probably is but Scott's at an age now you know he's, he's married now he's got two kids he's got a third one on the way you'll know this as much as anyone John you, you get to a certain age and and maybe you know in, in a very highly physical sport like that you, you maybe have to take stock of everything I found that with, with certain other players as well once they started having families and kids the responsibilities change. They, they don't want to be in a position where they, they suffer a really horrific injury that it, it maybe sees them losing some crucial time with the kids or something. Maybe there's a family element involved, I don't know. Um, but to me, I think Scott certainly had another couple of years on him, um, whether in this league or somewhere else, I don't know. But no, he was certainly very capable. OK, so we'll leave your team there for a moment and move on to your favourite game. So, Craig, what is the favourite game you've seen in the time you've been watching Clan? Right, well, it's going to have to be the Champions Hockey League game against uh, Ingolstadt, September 2015, um, clan winning by six goals to four. Yeah, and you said to me when we were setting this up that there's something very special about this game and the reason that you chose it, so please do tell us the story. Right, well, it wasn't only clan's first win in the European competition. It wasn't the fact that it was probably the noisiest I've ever heard Brayhead Arena um, for any game in all the years I've been watching the clan. It wasn't even for the fact that I got the chance to work with Premier Sports that night and do the interviews rinkside, um, which I was very fortunate to do. This was actually the first ever game that my daughter went to. My daughter was born in July 2015, nine weeks premature, and it was a very worrying time. It was 
it's quite a summer for me personally. I'd also lost my dad um, that summer as well. So my emotions and mental state probably were all over the place. But the very start of that week, my daughter got out of hospital, still at that point three weeks earlier than, than she was meant to arrive. And so we took her to the game. Um, my wife had her in her arms the whole game. She slept most of it amazingly, which was quite the surprising thing. But it was the fact it was her first game. And my daughter still goes now. She's nearly five. She loves it. She sings um, all the, the songs. She loves Clangus and everything else. And it just it just stuck with me, the fact that that little scrap, my daughter, was so young, such a, an early fight in her life. And she overcame it. And she's at a, the clan's biggest hockey game ever. And it just meant so much to me, the fact that she was there and that over time she's grown up and she's used to it and she loves it and it's a big thing for her all the time. I mean, since lockdown started, she's always asking us when we're going back. And, you know, the truth is we just don't know um, because of the uncertain times we live in at the moment. But it's always there in her mind. And you know, there are pictures of her um, with Clangus. Clangus actually got to hold her that night, which um, is one of my favourite pictures ever as well. And it just meant so much to me, the fact that she was there and it was her first game and it was Clan's biggest night and everything else. And the fact that she was now out of hospital and, and really starting her life. And it was just it just meant so much to me. Good white eyes now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, can, I can totally relate to that because my daughter is a very similar age to yours. But at least your daughter supports the team that you do, which is... Uh... <laughs> Just oh. a bone of contention for me, but oh, we'll not yeah. go. We will not go there. <laughs> Just on the game itself, and I, I totally understand why you would pick that and the personal reasons for picking that. But it was an incredible game as well. Like you say, you was doing the interviews for Premier Sports that night, but two empty net goals to to seal that first win. It must have been very very special as a team that had only been around five years at that point to, to get such a huge win in a massive European competition must have been incredibly satisfying oh it certainly was and you know just in the prism of the competition itself when you think that three weeks before um, they get their backsides handed to them by Vekwa 10-2 in the very first game in Sweden um, and I was over there um, for, for the, the two away games as well it was it was great to see how the team itself had grown over those four games it went from that absolute shellicking from Vekwa um, to running Ingolstadt fairly close away from home. Vekwa losing 3-1 at home, you could, again, you could, you know, taking on an SHL team who were the champions at the time and, and you know, making a hard life for them that night to evolving into a 6-4 victory over a top DEL side as well was absolutely magnificent. And as you say, the two empty net goals, I mean, the roof lifted off the place at Brayhead Arena that night. And it was absolutely amazing. And I remember seeing Ryan Finnerty after the game. I mean, the smile on his face was as wide as the Clyde. And that's how that's how much it meant to him. And it was a great, great night for the club. In terms of the competition itself, we were never going to get out of that group. You know, two of the teams were going through. It was a really strange setup. that competition. Three team groups and two went through. It was really quite strange. But Clan were always the underdogs. It was all about enjoying it for what it was. And that's exactly what it was. And the fact they got a win out of it in the end was probably the best thing of the whole experience. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Uh, having seen Panthers win a couple of games in the CHL, it, it's it's very, very special. So completely understand where you're coming from mm. there. OK, let's head back to your team and your second defenceman. So who is defenceman number two? It is the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Frank. Chris Frank, who was at the clan 2013-14 and 2014-15, 
102 games for 6 goals and 20 assists for 26 points. He was a 2006 draft pick for the Phoenix Coyotes as they were then. Round 7, number 188 overall. And he also had spells with the Cardiff Devils and the Sheffield Steelers. So why Chris Frank, Craig? Not only being a thoroughly likeable guy off the ice, he, he gave you that aggression on the ice. I mean, let's face it, he's no stranger to the penalty box when you look at the, the amount of minutes that he, he accumulated. Um, no, he got a few, didn't he? He got a few. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he was the he was the guy that always had your, your, you know the, the team's back. You know, if it, if it was us, if there was ever a situation that needed someone to come in and deal with it, Frankie was the man. He didn't always deal with it in the right way. And maybe there was instances where he, there was penalties given away that, that cost games in the end because we had a, a man down and things like that. And I, I found that to be frustrating about Frankie. But in the main, you know, he was the sort of guy, he got the job done. He wasn't the most graceful of ice hockey players, but what he what he lacked in ability in terms of the team, you know, he always had the team's back. And I think that's a, a really admirable quality to have. He was probably, for me, the definition of a Ryan Finnerty player. Um, the sort of guy that Finner was always a team-orientated guy, and I think Frankie was always the, the, the sort of one that delivered that message. Um, same with uh, Zach Fitzgerald when he came in as well. And I think a lot of fans can relate to that. I think we'll all remember the playoff semi-final against the Sheffield Steelers in 2014, um, where Frankie got into a scrap with the player whose name completely escapes me. And that image that Al Gould took um, of, of Frankie sort of holding the shirt in pride as if to go, this one's for you guys, as he skated off to the penalty box. It's a great picture, one of my, my favourite pictures that Al's ever taken for the club. And it was it was great to see. And again, another player who decided to retire after only a couple of years with the clan, um, to go off and, and have his life. He's, he's in Seattle now, actually. He's, he's working for a pharmaceutical company now. And he's always got fond memories of, of the clan. And that was one of the reasons why Matt Haywood brought him back for his testimonial as well. I'm just having a, a quick tot-up of his penalty minutes here. <laughs> and it's 600-plus in the in the two seasons that he was with clan. So definitely one of your enforcers in those two seasons. Yeah, definitely. I, I also think that there's a... There should be a call. I know Clan, you know, they've got sponsorship on the penalty boxes. They should definitely name one of them the Chris Frank penalty box for the amount of times he, he spent in there. I think that's a that's a fair shout. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris Frank is defenseman number two, which completes your blue line. We're going to leave the team again before we move on to the forwards and talk about the opposition player who you would love to have seen play for the clan but never did. So who is oh. that for you, Craig? Well, I've I've picked it, and he just ages it ever so much ahead of Ben Bounds, and I've went for Colin Shields, formerly of of course of the Belfast Giants. Colin Shields, six hundred and thirty-seven games for the Giants, three Elite League titles, three Challenge Cups, one playoff, and the Elite League all-time top point scorer. He achieved that in his final season, taking over from David Clark. So, what was it particularly about Colin Shields that? made you want to see him in the clan jersey? I just thought he was always a very special kind of player. I mean, a great worker on and you know, on and off the ice. A great ambassador for Belfast, I think it's fair to say. Um, represented GB with great distinction as well. He was always a guy I, I really enjoyed watching. There was just something about the way he played. He always seemed to get points against the clan. Um, I could be completely wrong on that. Just, just as I think back on it, if it wasn't a goal, he always got a couple of assists. That was the kind of player he was. Um, I think more so as he got older as well. A legend in terms of the elite league, you know, and the fact he was he was Scottish as well, um, I think added to that. You know, a, a big Scottish forward and, and you know leading the line in a Scottish team, I think would have been fantastic from a PR point of view. 
Um, I'd heard rumours that he, he might have come. I, I don't. I don't think that would have happened. He was too settled in life at Belfast for that to happen. But I just think he would have been phenomenal in purple, and it's just a shame we'll never ever get to see that. Of course, he was the second British player who was drafted in 2000 uh, by the Philadelphia Flyers. He won second Scott. Second, second Scott. The second Scott, yeah. <laughs> After, of course, uh, Sir Tony of Hand. And he won an NCAA title as well while with the University of Maine while he was uh, in the North America. This was a special player, but did it su- surprise you that he spent so long in the Elite League when he had the background of being drafted and that NCAA title? Um, surprising, yeah. I think I think a Colin Shields now, maybe 10, 15 years younger, might have uh, might have played abroad maybe a little bit more. I mean, he had that spell in, in France with Mozan in 2011-12 and, of course, the stints in the ECHL when he was much younger as well. So I think, you know, if you were to take Colin Shields now, take him back 15 years, I think he might have looked more abroad. The way British hockey is now, I think we're seeing the possibility of more players possibly playing um, away from these shores because I think largely of, of where GBR and, and the World Championship status right now Liam Kirk's gone out there done a great job there's a big heavy rumour about where Ben Bounds might be going at some point and if that comes off that's a great opportunity for him we just don't know right now and I think the same could be said of Colin Shields you know Colin Shields 15 years ago was now I think he would have done more than just playing France you know you could see him playing in, in the Ebel League or somewhere like that and then getting more experience the likes of Ben O'Connor went to, went to Kazakhstan so I think so, but no. I mean, the fact that he stayed so long in the elite league, I think, was definitely a good thing for for us in our game because he went on to achieve. He, he he's a legend in Belfast, and you know, it's it's not hard to see why he, he did well at the Newcastle Vipers as well. But Belfast was always the place he went back to. I think he had three spells there over the fullness of time. He was quite clearly settled there. It was a it was a second home for him, and you know, he's he's living in a place now. He's married. He's got a business set up there now. So it was always a draw to him and that's ultimately where he's ended up. So Colin Shields is the player you would have loved to have seen in a clan shirt. We're going to go back to your team now and start with the forwards. So Craig, who's forward number one? Forward number one is the man, the captain. It's Matt Keith. Got to be Matt Keith. Matt Keith, who played for the clan from 2014-15 to 2016-17. 189 games in all competitions. 63 goals, 103 assists for 166 points. Also iced 27 NHL games for the New York Islanders and the Chicago Blackhawks with two goals and three assists. You said it has to be Matt Keith, so why does it have to be Matt Keith? It has to be Matt Keith because I think for me, and take nothing away from the other guys that have had the the C on their jersey, he's the standout clan captain in the history of the club going all the way back to to 2010. I think the greatest regret is we never got to see Matt Keith lift a a main trophy. Again, taking nothing away from the Gardner Conference. We never got to see him lift a Challenge Cup, a league or a a playoff title. He came so close in his first season, of course, um, beaten to the league title by the Sheffield Steelers by a point. There was just something about him. He exuded leadership. He was the very man that you look to, to to help you lead through it. And and he had that in abundance. You know, he was never shy to to come and talk to us after a game, win, lose or draw. And Matt was always very good that way from a media point of view. Thoroughly likable guy as well. And again, another one who came back from Matt Hayward's testimonial. Just such a likable, likable guy and a real teammate on the ice who would it was always who would put your arm round you, make sure you were okay. And that you were you were fine to go. That's the that's the kind of guy that for me exudes leadership, and that for me is Matt Keith. 
an incredibly experienced player. As I mentioned, he played in the NHL, but also had quite the career in Europe, in Germany, Sweden and Austria and the Czech Republic before moving to Clan. So he, when he came to Glasgow, he had a lot of experience behind him. Yeah, he did. And I remember the reaction to, to when he was signed. You know, again, a lot of people, when they, they, they hear of a signing, go straight on to Elite Prospects to to see what, what a player's all about. And, you know, the, the NHL thing obviously stands up. But the fact he had such good experience in Germany, in Sweden, and latterly in, in Austria before he came to Glasgow kind of leaps out. He's such an experienced player, the sort of guy that Bray Head were maybe looking for at the time, the sort of player that Ryan Finnerty was certainly looking for. And I, I think it was a, a great signing, probably one of the best that Clan have ever made. You just look at the points production, three goals in the Champions Hockey League, always a top point scorer in the Elite League when he, he played. Unfortunately, didn't really do it in the playoffs, which which is sad, but you know, he was a pivotal player for the clan in his time with you. Absolutely. I think we all thought after his second year, I think he might have been thinking this himself that he would maybe retire but he decided to give it one more year he stayed on for a, for a third season but yeah the, the playoffs never really happened for him and I think that's one of his regrets he never got to experience a playoff weekend um, from a, a playing point of view um, which, which is a sad thing I would have loved to have seen him involved at that kind of um, that kind of arena as well and it wasn't to be but such a, a colossal player and a big part of why the clan was successful at that time. And when you, you look back at the, the players I've picked, a lot of those guys have come from that mid-2010s kind of time when clan were at their most successful while, uh, while Ryan was in charge. OK, we will leave the team again and move on to your favourite goal. So, Craig, which <laughs> is your favourite goal? I do, I do the commentary for the clan and I always forget goals. You know, I need to watch them back to, to sort of remember them. They need to be quite special for them to stick in my memory. Whether it's an age thing or not, I don't know. Um, but this one stuck in, in my head, and it was Matt Haywood's overtime winner for the clan against Cardiff Devils in the Challenge Cup 2018-19 under Pete Russell that put Cardiff out on their own, their own barn. I didn't see the game at the time because I was on a Christmas night out, and it wasn't until I saw it later on that I realised just how magnificent a goal it was just in terms of the meaning the fact that Clan at that time didn't have a great start to the season under Pete but the goal I think kicked off a real good run of form that got Clan at least in the higher echelons of the league table and it was it was just a, a magnificent goal Clan were under pressure going into that game they'd lost the first leg so needed to win by two clear goals the game went to overtime and I watched it back when preparing for this, and it, you could call it a bit of a scrappy goal. It was a rebound off Browns, and, and Hable was straight there on the doorstep to poke it home. But to beat a Cardiff team who were very much in their pomp at that time was a huge, huge result. It definitely was. And as I say, the form clan we're in wasn't good going into that one. And when you look at the results after it, it kick-started a great run of form that, that got them up there. It also came at a time where Josh Gratton had just been released by the club. It was just before Guillaume Doucette came in, who I think was a was a better replacement. No harm to Josh, I think did an OK job. But um, when, when Guy came in, I think he added something to the front line. And it was it was huge for Pete to get Clan into the Challenge Cup semi-final as well. They hadn't done it since 2013. Um, when Paul Gardner was in charge, he started off with, with Jordan Kostanovic in charge. And the way he just got to that goal was absolutely superb. The fact that he, he scored it against his pal, Ben Bounds, as well, I think it's something he likes to remind Ben about from what I hear from time to time as well. So that would have been good for him. 
it was magnificent. You know, it's such a big, big win. Uh, a key win, I think, in Pete Russell's all too brief time with the Glasgow clan. And let me just tell you, I said I was on a Christmas night out that, that night. I was sitting with my work colleagues and I was I knew the game was close. Um, so good old Twitter was, was updating us with what was happening. I let out a huge cheer when Matt scored. Luckily, it was drowned out by the music round about with the in-house band. Um, but needless to say, I, I frightened the crap out of my workmates and I had to tell them why I was cheering. So um, it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, we will leave that one there with your frightened workmates and move back yeah. to your team. <laughs> so who is your second forward? Well, it's Mr. Clan himself, Matt Haywood. 500, nearly 600 appearances and counting. Matt Haywood, from the inception of the clan in 2010-11 to the present day, 86 goals, 156 assists for 242 points. Uh, he also played five games for the Sheffield Steelers prior to arriving in Brayhead and had his testimonial in the 1920 season. I'm not surprised you picked Matt Haywood considering he is an ever-present in Glasgow, but what is particularly special about him? Matt Haywood is just everything about the clan. He's a real favourite for obvious reasons. You know, he's the captain as well more recently. Um, what he does on the ice, he, he always gives full effort and everything he does, he's got the respect of perhaps every single teammate he's ever played with and that was very apparent when you know his testimonial came around um, earlier this year, speaking to the, the former players that played with him. I mean, put it this way, I reached into my contacts book, I put out messages to all sorts of guys, asking them to record messages for Matt for his testimonial, the ones that couldn't come back for it. Um, I think I was only looking for about 10, just to make up a, a sort of montage of these things. I must have got near 30 to the point we had to split them up into two segments and you can see them on YouTube. And the amount of videos I got was absolutely incredible. So to see the amount of people that Matt's played with, going back from the very first days to, to present day, talk about how great a guy he was, how wonderful a, a man as well as a teammate, just says it all for me. And if you can overcome all that, if that one guy can tie all that together, wow. You know, it just, it just shows you how big a player he actually has been for the club again another one it's just such a shame we've never seen him lift a challenge cup a league or a playoff title and I think if it ever happens for the clan nobody would deserve it more than Matt Haywood he's been there with with the fans he's been on the journey all the way through the highs of second place in the league the playoff weekend the Champions Hockey League to the lows to the, the you know the, the lows of the 2017-18 season under John Tripp when they missed out on the playoffs even last season you know which which wasn't the best on record let's be fair but Matt's been there all the way through, and with Matt Haywood there, he's Mr. Dependable, Mr. Clan. Still only 29 years old, so has hopefully got quite a few seasons in front of him. Do you see him continuing his career in Glasgow? I think so. I think very much Matt's in with the bricks now. I mean, when I think back to when I first met him, he was just a shy kid from Yorkshire. You know, he could barely string a sentence together trying to speak to me for the media. Now, now he's brilliant. We've got him in the clan chat online. You know, he, he he sort of joins in with that, which is good fun. Um, so he's he's really come out of a shell in that respect. Brilliant sense of humour. Some of the stuff Matt comes away with is actually really funny. He's married. He's got a young daughter. He's got another daughter on the way. They've you know they bought a house. He's very much got roots here in Scotland now. I can't see him going anywhere else. I think Matt's here for the duration. Of course, he had his testimonial in February 2020. A lot of players coming back and a huge crowd at the. Brayhead Arena for that one. It must have been a very special night. Oh, I have to say, hands down, one of the best nights I've ever experienced at Brayhead Arena. You know, I think the whole nostalgia of it, all these older guys coming back, like Jordan Kostanovic, Matt Keith, 
um, some of the other guys I've mentioned here, the fun of it all, you know, and, and that's what it was. It was it was fun. It was a fun night seeing them playing with both sides, you know, the, the team of the All-Stars, like, you know, and the, the team of, of current players, the, the little funny stuff they put in in between. I had the privilege of commentating on it live to the, the families over in North America um, who couldn't be here, which was a lot of fun as well. We got a lot of good feedback from that. And it was a really special night. And you could see what it meant to him, the fact that the, the place was just there for him. Even the dinner a couple of nights before, I think Matt was truly overwhelmed by the support he got um, from the fans and, and from everybody involved. And, and again, you know, you talk about the love that, that the clan has for Matt Haywood. It's certainly mutual from his point of view to the club and to the fans. Perfect. So we will leave Matt Haywood there and move on to your final forward in your Brayhead stroke Glasgow clan side. So who is forward number three? It's got to be Jay Galbraith. Jay Galbraith played two seasons for the clan, 2011-12 and 2012-13. 120 games, 68 goals, 101 assists for 169 points. And of course was a former player with the Nottingham Panthers prior to his arrival at the Brayhead Arena. I think I know what you're going to say, having experienced <laughs> Jay Galbraith myself. So why Jay Galbraith? Well, I think you've kind of alluded to it as much as you can. The guy was just amazing. The amount of points he produced was just unlike anything else we'd ever seen. His clan's only 100-plus points player we've ever had in, in a relatively short history. When we signed him in 2011, it was a coup. Let's be honest, it was a coup when Drew Bannister managed to, to get him to, to come to, to Glasgow, I think. Three years at Nottingham was enough for him. You know, he had a great time. I mean, Jade's spoken about the relationships he had with Corey Nielsen and a lot of the team back then. I, I think he just felt it was, it was something different for him. And my goodness, he delivered. He had a great partnership with Jordan Kristanovic in those offensive lines. You know, and you speak to Jade about, about his scoring record, particularly in that first season. He puts it down a lot to, to Jordan Kristanovic. I can see why. Jade had that, that reputation about him. He liked to drink, and he's the first to admit that. And I think there's, you know, I haven't spoke to Jade quite a lot, and I've, I've actually spoke to him recently. When he looks back in his career, I think there's there's an element of regret that he maybe didn't put as much in as he should have. I mean, the, the figures stand up. So can you imagine if Jade Gilbraith had really put effort in? You know, what kind of figures we would be talking about. But let's take nothing away from what the guy did. Um, two years at the clan, the first season, phenomenal under Drew Bannister. Not so much... Um, the second season, and that was largely down to injury. I think he came in unfit. He struggled with a back injury, um, which seemed to prevent him from making any real impact. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes at the clan that season. It was the, the season Jordan Kristanovic took on player-coach, which didn't really work out. And then Paul Gardner came in. and It's no secret, I think, that Jaden Paul didn't go on too well, so there was that as well. And then after that, Ryan Finnerty came in, and I don't think there was a, there was a road back for Jade. I think that was him finished with the clan. But what a guy. I've just got so many good memories of Jade and it's nice to catch up with him when I do talk to him. Um, a lot of people might be surprised to know that the Jade they all remember has gone. He's very much happily married now. He doesn't drink as much as he used to. Um, he, he's very much settled down now. I think age has, has played a lot to do with that. I think he's, he's in his late 30s now. But what he did for Brayhead Clan and a lot of the older fans will remember just the sort of guy he was just on and off the ice. A real hero for a lot of people and, and I, I certainly love watching him. 116 points in all competitions in that first season after leaving Nottingham. Um, from what I, I remember from when he was in Nottingham, probably one of the most naturally gifted players I've seen. Just a player who didn't really have to put the effort in at times because he just had the skill set within him. Yep, completely agree with that. 
and that just touches on what I said before. You know, even if he did put in the effort, and and that's not to say he didn't, but you know, if he really knuckled down and focused, and and you know, maybe get the, the, the alcohol out of his out of his system, you, you're looking at a real special player that, that could have went on to perhaps greater things. You know, one of the highlights of his career, and this is something he spoke to me about, was when he got picked for the Belfast Giants team to play against the Boston Bruins. And, you know, I mean, he scored that night and was magnificent, you know, for, by all accounts. So it just showed you the Jade Galbraith, maybe a, a case of missed potential from Jade, but when he was in the UK, he certainly delivered. Yeah, he put it glove side on to Karask in in the Boston mm, net. Not sure did. not a not a bad goal to score. Although I, <laughs> I don't think the Belfast fans were too happy that it was Jay Galbraith who put that away, and not not one of their no. heroes <laughs> with that one. But but you're right, a, a great player, and I totally agree with you that I think if he if he had a knuckled down he wouldn't have been in the Elite League. So perhaps it's fortunate that he didn't because we got five seasons in the Elite League of him and he was a very special player. Mm, yep, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I think we, we should always be grateful that we saw someone like him do what he did and all we've got now is memories of him. But he certainly speaks very warmly about his time in the UK, particularly about his time in Glasgow. And that's I, th- I think that's something we should always be grateful for, the fact that we even saw him in the first place. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that now completes your team, which is netminder Kyle Jones, in defence Scott Arson and Chris Frank, and the forward line of Matt Keith, Matt Haywood and Jade Galbraith. Are you particularly happy with that? Yeah, but as I say, I think there was, as I said at the very beginning, I think there was two or three that, that went straight in um, once you, you sort of set me this task. But one or two of the others I really had to, to think carefully about. And, you know, and as we'll, we'll hear from my honourable mentions, it really was <laughs> quite tricky. <laughs> well, we will move on to your honourable mentions now. This could take a while. So, yeah, so, yeah. so who are the players that you considered but didn't make the team? Well, I mean, Patrick Killeen, um, who was the goalie last season for the clan, although the, the team didn't perform as well as, as they, they would have liked to have, I, I always thought Killer was, was impressive in the nets. There were nights he, he kept the team in the game, and I think that's a real admirable quality. Tim Weatherburn, indeed, was, again, like Arson in many respects, a very dependable, real real Trojan horse in that, that back line, the way we worked really hard. Zach Fitzgerald, you know, same as well. I would say Fitzy more as a player because he had that kind of warrior-like attitude towards games, aggressive. One of the nicest guys you'll meet off the ice. Sadly, it didn't work out for him um, from a coaching aspect. Zach Sullivan, love watching Zach even now at Manchester Storm. It's a shame that he left the clan. Um, I'm a huge fan of Zach Sullivan and I hope he goes on to, to great things. Kevin Bergen, another ex-Panthers player. Kevin was a really likeable guy. Worked really well with Ryan Finnerty in that first season. It was a shame we never saw him beyond the one season he was in Glasgow. Stefan Meyer, Wonderful player, another one of those those players during that sort of successful Finnerty era. Um, he scored plenty of goals and, and a real um, impressionable guy up top. John Landry from the first season. John went on to play in the AHL, I think, if memory serves me correctly. But again, had a great first year in Glasgow. And again, another player, it's a shame we didn't see more of. Jordan Kristanovic, two and a half years with the clan. His last year, unfortunately, was a, the, this ill-fated coaching spell as well, which didn't really work out for him. But I think a lot of people have got a lot of great memories about Jordan, and I'm just glad to see him back for Matt Hayward's testimonial. Scott Pitt, clan's all-time um, top scorer, over two spells with the club. Again, you know, it's always great to see him play. He's in full flow, had a real great partnership with, with Matt Becker and with Mike Hammond at first, when, when Mike first came to, to Glasgow before he moved to Manchester. 
So I had to I had to include him somewhere, sadly not in the top team. Barry McKenzie, this might surprise a lot of people. I've got a lot of time for Barry McKenzie. Barry's one of these players that what he maybe lacks in ability, he makes up for in work rate and heart. And I think every team could always do with a Barry McKenzie in their team. A thoroughly likeable guy off the ice as well. And I really loved seeing him um, get his chance to play for the clan. And finally, Brendan Connolly. And again, this might surprise a lot of people. I know Brendan's not popular with certain people, but I always nope. found Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I always found Brendan to be the kind of guy that you would always rather have him in your team than against you. And I suppose, in Clan's point of view, we've had that in both cases. You know, we, we didn't like him at Belfast, but then he signed for the Clan. He was great for that year under Pete Russell, and now he's gone to Sheffield. And we don't like him again. So um, there we go. And I think that I think that says a lot about a player um, if, if they manage to to split the, the fan base on that front. And that's the end of my list. Hold on, let me check. Yep, definitely end of my list. I mean, you you look at the plays that the clan have had o- over the years and there's been some really really good plays and some really really good teams does it surprise you the fact that the clan are yet to pick up a, a major trophy obviously they've got all the gardener conference titles in their cabinet but as far as a, a playoff challenge cup league title it is quite surprising for a club the size of clan still hasn't managed to get that holy grail and pick up a, a major trophy yet yeah uh in a way yeah um, because when you look at the, the quality of, of the other teams, particularly the, the sort of top-end teams like Nottingham, like Sheffield and Cardiff, obviously more recently with the, the players they have, they've had through the years as well, it's it's not a surprise because there's some real quality in those teams. And Clan, I, I feel for the most part, have always improved. There's maybe we've had a couple of seasons where it hasn't quite gone well and has been a big disappointment. The John Tripp era, especially when the Clan completely missed the playoffs, and that that was just a season to forget in so many respects. So yeah, and that respect but I think playoff weekends there definitely should have been more in playoff weekend appearances the fact that you're you're only looking at one in what nine ten I don't think we can count this year I think is is the biggest thing you know how can a team like the clan have only been to that weekend once in their history you know they've been so close they were edged out by Fife one year and two games that were magnificent to watch games that could have went either way and, and Fife got the edge over the two legs there was the game there was the, season, uh, the year they played Hull 2015 which turned out to be Hull's last season where their goalie David Brown was absolutely sensational and um, that was Omar Pasha's first year as a coach as well which he likes to remind me of and there was Ryan Finnerty's last year and it wasn't a case of being edged out against the Dundee Stars clan were blitzed against Dundee Stars Dundee really um, grabbed them by the scruff of the neck and, and ran them ragged for 120 minutes in those two legs where Clan just didn't turn up in either leg and it was a shame to see Ryan's era at the club go out in that fashion so I, I think I'm I'm probably more disappointed we haven't been at the playoff finals more um, when you, you look back on, on these certain games I, I'd like to think Silverware will come I think it's going to take a real special team to be able to do that when we're going to see that I just don't know well, that leads us beautifully into your favourite moment, and we always finish the show <laughs> on the favourite moment. So, Craig, please reveal what it is. It's got to be the playoff quarter-final, second leg in 2014, Glasgow clan against the Nottingham Panthers. Yes, a bit of a sting for me, but of course, after <laughs> beating the Panthers 4-0 at the NIC in the first leg, uh, the clan returned the following Saturday to beat the Panthers 5-1 on home ice, a 9-1 aggregate victory to take them to their first playoff finals weekend. So, Craig, explain why this is your favourite moment. On the Thursday, uh, you know, as you said, Clan had won 4-0 in Nottingham 
And years previously, I think two out of the three years previously, Clan had been beaten by the Panthers at this stage. Um, so it was a case of third time lucky. The second time that second time Clan lost, that was the, the Drew Bannister year 2011-2012. Brandon Benedict cost me a fortune because he got the winner in overtime and cost me work. <laughs> and I've never <laughs> forgiven him for that. Um, so two years on, both teams meet again um, and this this was Ryan Finnerty's first year coming to an end with the clan 4-0 win in Nottingham and you're thinking wow you know we have a real chance here so the second leg on the Saturday the video's on YouTube and for some reason they got me on camera to sit and introduce set the scene for the game and I voiced it back my daughter likes this but then she's nearly five she doesn't know any better I just look as though I'm completely like excited. I'm like a kid at Christmas thinking, oh, the clan are in this game. Wait, if we win, we go to the playoff finals. And I just look ridiculous. Um, and I'm quite embarrassed watching it now. But nevertheless, that was that was what I did. So I'm setting the scene for the game. I'm thinking, right, big, big crowd are in. Clan that night had Chris Frank back in the lineup. And I'll admit, I was worried about Chris Frank coming back. And I'll tell you why. He missed the first leg because his wife was having their baby son, um, which is why he missed the first game. And because Frankie, as much as I love him to bits, he had the tendency to cost his penalties. I'm worried that this might allow Panthers back in. And I'm sorry, Chris, if you're listening to this, I really am. But the fact that he came back into the team worried me. And Panthers were always a team you could never underestimate. And as we saw two years before, Panthers came back from that after losing the first leg as well. So they were always capable of clawing a game back. And of course, Matt Francis got the opening goal in this game. And I'm commentating on the game, and in my head I'm going, oh no, not again, I can't bear this. So Matt Francis gets the opening goal, but then after that, Ash Goldie um, levels on the power play, and the four-goal four deficit was reinstated. Um, and from then on, just the, the night got better for the clan as it went on. Corey trying a little bit of dodgy tactics there. I think it was an illegal equipment call against Kyle Jones' stick. Tom Darnell was the referee. He had to look into that. A mm, little bit dubious. I tried to take the sting out of the game a little bit, but nevertheless, Clan got on it. And what a night that was. Kevin Bergen got a goal that night. I'm trying to remember this game off the top of my head. I've not written anything down. Um, there was a 5-on-3 and Panthers were absolutely running riot over the Clan and the defence held up brilliantly. And I think that was a key point. I think that was the moment that we, we realised this was on for us here. Never mind the, the healthy um, aggregate score. But yeah, Kevin Bergen getting a goal. I remember getting really excited about that. And then there was further goals from Matt Tau, uh, Mash Goldie getting another one, and Joel Champagne finishing it off in the last 10 minutes. And the celebrations were magnificent that night. And it was a really special night. It was It's up there with the Ingolstadt game, put it that way. Of course, you went on to Nottingham and lost, unfortunately, to the Sheffield Steelers in the semi-final, but won the third or fourth place playoff against Fife in overtime. So <laughs> after get it, after actually getting to the playoff finals weekend with the clan, how was that for you? Did you enjoy it despite the loss in the semi-final? I did, uh, and it was nice. It was nice from a, a Scottish point of view um, because I'd been at the playoffs. Um, I think three or four years every year previous to that, and there was no Scottish involvement. You're, you're trying to find a Scottish angle to to write about, and there wasn't much there. Whereas this year there was because Clan and Fife had both made it. Scottingham, um, I think it was. Scottingham, yes, yes. One of the I, I, I hated that hashtag. I'll be honest, I hated it. <laughs> I, I could I could see how clever it was. I just I didn't like it. I didn't like it. But anyway, no, the fact that both um, Brayhead and Fife were both in the playoff that weekend was really special. And it, it was good to see. And we've seen Fife make it since. We've seen Dundee make it since as well. 
Um, so I, I think for me, seeing a Scottish team in the playoffs always makes it that little bit more special. Speaking obviously as a Scot, but no, Clan there was nice to see. And I think one fan summed it up. I was doing a piece for the playoff weekend program. Chris Ellis had got me to not only do the season review stuff for the Clan, but he asked me to speak to a fan about um, what it's like to be at the playoffs. And spoke to a fella called Jock Mackey. Um, a lot of the clan fans will remember Jock. Lovely, lovely big guy. I've not seen Jock in a while, actually. I think he's he's not been well, but I, I spoke to him for the, the programme and he said the playoff weekend's brilliant. You know, we, we we go down, we have a great time, we have a few drinks, we meet other fans, we have a great time. He says, but because clan are in it, it's a bit different. We're invested. Whereas before, it's just a festival of hockey. We get to see all the teams and enjoy ourselves. But our team's in it and it's different and there's a bit more nerves to it. And I think he summed that up really well. And that kind of was what it was like for me as well. I also got the, the privilege of working with Seth Bennett on the BBC that year um, on the, the commentary. I think the Belfast Fife game. Um, it's, I think Dave Sims was meant to co-commentate with him, but I think Dave was schmoozing with corporate guests for, for Sheffield who so couldn't help Seth out. So Seth sent me a text and asked if I would come on co-coms with him for the, the Belfast Fife game, which I was happy to do. And getting a text message off Chris Ellis on the Sunday morning um, when Brayhead were playing Fife in the what's called the hangover game. Because um, I think he'd had a lot of people asking about if that game was going to be streamed on, on radio. And it was about, I had two hours notice to basically come up with a commentary. And I, I did the commentary on the, the Brayhead Fife game on the BBC stream, which was magnificent, a real pleasure to do. So that weekend for me personally was, was absolutely fantastic. The fact clan were there made it all the more special. They really gave a good account of themselves against the Sheffield Steelers in that semi-final, but wasn't to be in the end, hey-ho. But we were there and that was the main thing. And we know what it's like and we're just desperate to get back beautiful place to leave it craig it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on my top line thanks for coming on and thank you for listening to my name travel <laughs> thank you very much craig and thank you very much to you for listening we will be back very soon with another edition of my top line but until then goodbye <laughs>